0: This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Annie Dowd, local author, who has just published her fifth book with Humble Essayist Press, entitled Put Off My Sackcloth. It's a collection of essays, and she will have her local book launch at Brookwood Gallery, Saturday, May 15th, from 4 to 6. Annie, welcome back for Part 2.
1: I'm delighted to be here.
0: Now, last time we talked a bit about your writing process. We talked about your literary influences and a little bit about your new book. But we're going to get a little more into that. When we finished the last one, we were talking about the challenge of being published Let me ask another question. New technology has opened up new possibilities. Is there a realistic online publishing option? I remember that Andy Weir's freshman novel, The Martian, came out online before it became a bestseller in a movie.
1: That's, you know, that's a good success story. Those are very rare, though. It's kind of like terrific basketball player in high school who's going to get into the nba it's one in you know some very large number so you can publish a book very easily on amazon and there are other presses like that as well so it's very easy to do let's talk about
0: your book your current book is published by humble essayist press interesting name Uh, tell us about them and how you found them
1: they actually found me. It's a new press. I am their fourth book to publish. And the head of it is a writer who has an a website called The Humble Essayist. And so he he's always posting essays. And the first two books were him and then another man Bob Root who writes essays And they decided, they're older, I'm older, that they were looking for writers who had been kind of passed by by the mainstream, but were solid career writers and who had an essay collection. So Catherine Winograd, who's the third member of the triumvirate of the Humble Essayist Press, she asked me if I had an essay collection and I've known her for like 35 years. We went to um, grad school together and I said, yes, but I don't think it's any good. At that time it was these three areas were three sections of the book Mm -hmm. and I had sent it out to various contests and it never got a, an honorable mention or wasn't a finalist. So she looked at it and she said, all right, you need to braid these together uh, you need a spine. So this is some of the language of, of uh, making an essay collection. So the spine of my book ended up being the Jonestown piece. And so um, I worked with her, who is, she's a terrific essayist herself and has two essay collections out. And we worked together until we came up with this order and I came up with the title and she and her partner said, yes, it's a go. And so that's how this book came to be published in April 21.
0: Very exciting. And your book release is right around the corner here locally. Let's talk a little more about the specifics of the book. In the essay, Rescued and Humble, written in 2006, you offer up quite a positive view of our community. I couldn't help notice the following sentence. A rancher just returned from Argentina, discusses our new radio station, with the fine arts photographer who engineers the station, I couldn't help notice our good friends Lou and Bob. Yes, Uh, That was 15 years ago. If you were to write that essay today, how would it read?
1: I feel like our community has definitely changed and I felt it was a welcoming place back then in the early aughts or the mid-aughts and things are different now on so many levels, but I like to think it's still a very eclectic bunch of human beings who have made their way here, who join a community of ranchers who've been here forever and somehow get along.
0: How did that feel when you wrote it? What was the motivation for putting it together?
1: So at the time, one of our local people was the editor of the Canyon Beat, which was a a weekly or a monthly? Now I don't remember. And so she asked me to write a column. I had, at the time, I was also chosen to be a Colorado voice for the Denver Post. So at that time, I was used to writing essays of a certain length about living in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I just reread that essay in preparation for the interview, and it still makes me feel kind of wonderful about having moved here and choosing to raise my son here because kind of every word of it is true. I am a Jew from New York, and my son is mixed race, and you could say we don't have much in common with a lot of Westcliff people, but were made to feel welcome. My son went from pre-K through eighth grade here, and it was kind of wonderfully formative to grow up in a small community where, and and the school in particular, where the individuals were really paid attention to and valued.
0: In All Thy Waves, the longest essay in the book, you relate varying mental states uh, from positive to negative, flashing back to earlier times. You talk about depression, suicide, family dysfunction. This is quite a personal story. Uh, Why did you begin the book with this one?
1: In earlier versions of the book, it was actually the last essay. Okay. Mm -hmm. But because I see the book as kind of charting a transformation I felt it was important to see where I was coming from before you get to where I arrived. One of the essays is called Arrival. And one friend of mine who I met recently here in Westcliff, she said, Oh, I didn't know you suffered from depression. And in my earlier life I was the depressed person. That is how I saw myself. And In kind of pretty much my life since the birth of my son in 1999, I have become a different kind of person, and I'm not a depressed person anymore, although I take antidepressants every single day. So I felt it was really important, especially for people who have not experienced severe depression to know what it was like. And actually, the reason I wrote that essay, and this is an example of how I get stimulated by prompts from others, was um, in, I think it was in the back of the New York Review of Books, a an MD put out a call for essays on depression to be collected for a press that was gonna put out this book for MDs who didn't know very much about depression because it turns out there's a lot of MDs who don't know anything about depression. And so it was really to educate doctors to prepare them for when a depressed person like me came into their office. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote it for that book. It was accepted and then the publishing deal fell apart.
0: (laughs) That essay ends on a pretty positive note while all the way through, it's there's some down moments in that. Is this hard to share in a book with people that are going to read it that are friends of yours?
1: Yes, it's hard to share, but I've come to the conclusion that it's really important to be open and honest about that part of my life. And a lot of human beings suffer from severe depression in this country and elsewhere. And I feel that there's an element of hope I can communicate to the reader, to the anonymous reader, as well as to readers who know me, the darkest parts of it being suicidal and I suppose homicidal while Mm. I'm holding my child in my arms and standing on my father's 12th floor balcony in new york city and feeling this terrible terrible despair like so i was there i got out of there Mm -hmm. and one of my students one of my current students just read that and she wrote me and she said oh my god you know i went through that too and i'm thinking about writing about it i'm teaching a course right now on writing the personal essay (laughs) and uh
0: as the reader, I was glad to see it ended on a positive, a positive note in terms of moving to the next stage. Or yes. Something. Uh, before we run out of time, I definitely want to ask you about your historical novel, which you include in these essays under the title "Yuck." When I saw the <laughs> title, I had no idea where you, where you were going with that. Your book is called "Paradise Undone." It's about the Jonestown mass suicide. In your essay, you describe the challenges with getting it published in part, as well as the focus of the book. I don't want to focus on Jim Jones. I want to focus on the, Everybody some, of the else. some of the other people who <laughs> we don't know that much about. Yeah. What was the inspiration for using using that? I know you were in San Francisco. Jim Jones started in San Francisco. Was that any link?
1: Actually, that wasn't the link for me, and... I just want to say, here we are in 2021. I've still not been able to publish that book. It's been rejected about 280 times. It's been a finalist at various competitions and is a finalist right now at one. But it's been a finalist about 13 times, like one for every year. Mm -hmm. I have had a friend who went into a cult, not... Not People's Temple. And I wrote a story in which the parents of this fictional character go to a deprogrammer, and the deprogrammer tells the parents that he had a daughter who died in Jonestown, which is not really good recommendation Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a deprogrammer. But I was reading that story at the University of North Dakota where I was a guest writer in 2003. And that was part of my reading. And then afterwards, a member of the audience came up to me, and he was in tears. And he said, oh, I have have a dear friend who lost people in Jonestown. And I had been planning my sabbatical to write a book called Hippie Ruins, and I was in the Powell's bookstore in Portland, Oregon, where I then lived, and I was looking at communes and I slid down the aisle to cults and I found all these Jonestown books. And between the man in the audience and seeing the wealth of information, mm-hmm. I thought the commune or the commune book can keep. I can write that anytime. But now I need to write this book because I feel the cults problem in the United States is severe. It changes forms all the time. But that's how I came to write it.
0: Okay. It's a fascinating story uh, all all the way through. Let me ask, you, you were in San Francisco. Uh, I visited there 50 times over the years because I had relatives in Marin County. Mm. Uh, I noted with sadness the passing of beat poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti at the age of one, uh, 101 recently Did you frequent City Lights Bookstore?
1: I did, and I frequented North Beach as one of my favorite places in the city.
0: I would always go to North Beach for lunch after visiting uh, City Lights in the morning.
1: Yes. So I love that part of the city. I'm not somebody who is influenced by the Beats, however, Mm -hmm. and... There's just a literary feel because of that bookstore and some of those cafes, similar to La Rive Gauche in Paris Mm -hmm. and the various cafes that Hemingway and his ilk went to. And when I went to Paris, I had to hang out at those places, too.
0: Good point. And Ferlinghetti published a lot. He put a lot of people into print. Yes. Allen Ginsberg and uh, some of the Beats especially.
1: Yeah, so that would be similar. City Lights books would be similar to what I was talking about with Virginia Woolf and the Hogarth Press back in the 20s. Let
0: me ask, what advice would you give to someone who thinks they might have the great American novel inside of them? How can they get those ideas down on paper?
1: There's only two ways to become a writer, reading and writing, and It is a process that requires discipline. And the discipline may look different from person to person. It might mean staying up all night for one writer and for another just getting up early every day. But for somebody who's been writing for a very long time and been teaching writing for a very long time, there aren't any tricks. You got to put the words on the paper and you also need to find the right technology for you. I know some writers whose best writing is done with a pencil on a yellow legal pad. That's mm-hmm. how they do their first draft. Even though they're totally adept at the computer. So, I don't have any shortcuts.
0: Just get to work. That's the Yes. That's the message. Uh, now As we get ready to uh, end here, let me mention again, you're in the throes of a book launch at Brookwood Gallery, right next to the library, from 4 to 6 on May 15th, which is a Saturday. What can folks anticipate there?
1: So what I'll be doing during those two hours is doing brief readings, because there are, as you probably notice, there's a lot of very short essays in the book, and they tend to be humorous, too, and I like to make people laugh. So I'll be doing some readings. I'll be signing books for people who come and buy them at the gallery. Or if you've bought your book online, you want to bring it in for me to sign it. I will be doing that. There'll be refreshments. And after this very long year, I will be happy to be meeting readers.
0: Good. Any last thoughts as we depart?
1: I'm going to just read the epigraph for the book, which is also from the Old Testament. Even though I am not a religious person, there's a lot of Old Testament in this book. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen.
0: Annie, thanks for stopping by and visiting with us at uh, KLZR.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We've been visiting with Annie Dowood, local author, who has just published her fifth book with Humble Essayist Press, entitled Put Off My Sackcloth. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM, Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground.